0: Well, as you know, if you've been here for the past few weeks, we've been looking at some gospel stories, uh, stories from the gospels, which are just the narratives about Jesus' life. And today we have a fun one. Many of you have heard before uh, about a fishing expedition, <laughs> and that happens with, with Simon, and so, before we dive into chapter 5, which is where uh, our text for today picks up, I'd like to actually go back just a few verses into chapter 4 of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, the reason I'd like to do that is because the, the story that we are going to look at primarily today in Luke 5 is, is the second encounter in Luke's Gospel between Jesus and Simon. And so, He's only, there's only one other story that involves Simon that precedes this one, and I want to just tell you what that story is so that we know what Simon had as a background with Jesus before the events of today's passage. So I'm going to just read you a couple verses from chapter 4, and uh, it's verses 38 and 39. Um, And this is, this is the first experience that Jesus and Simon have together. After leaving the synagogue, it says, um, he, being Jesus, entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately, she got up and began to serve them, which is kind of a, um, an interesting... Observation: We could maybe have a whole sermon about that, about how if you've had an experience with Jesus, what your response should be. And uh, you know, Luke's, or excuse me, Simon's mother-in-law's response was to begin to serve those around her, Um, and we could probably all do well to emulate that. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I just want you to know that that's what Peter has in the back of his mind when we get to this fun little fishing story. So he's had a little bit of an experience with Jesus, but he's not yet you know, kind of the full-fledged disciple that we come to know later uh, in the Gospels and in the Epistles, actually. So so what I want to do is go through, um, I'm going to get my sitting stool here. I want to go through um, this whole passage, just sort of read it again and pause as we go through. um, Maybe having battery issues here again. I'm sorry about that. Let's see how it lasts. I want to kind of go through verse by verse and just look at what happens. And i, I, I got to be honest with you, I have no, long, no idea how long this will take. My guess is it'll take about a usual, usual sermon length or less. So um, you can all get home and start your Super Bowl prepping or whatever you're going to do tonight. But um, Let's go through this one verse at a time. And if you want to follow along in the Red Bibles, this is page uh, 836. These Bibles are underneath your chair. And uh, you're always welcome to read along with with me um, using these Bibles. And uh, as I usually remember to remind you, if you don't have a Bible at home and you'd like to take one with you, you're more than welcome to keep one of these red Bibles. Um, if you have a friend who would like a Bible, you can take one of these to that friend. That's, that's what they're there for. So let's read through this um, together. And feel free, if I'm talking and you don't kind of get what's going on, or if you have a question about something, just shout out a question, okay? I'm going to be really casual with this one this morning, so um, if, you're, if you'd like to do that, that's totally okay with me. So it starts out, it says, once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and uh, if you don't know, and why would you really, this is just another name for the Sea of Galilee, so if you picture the Middle East, you have the Mediterranean Sea, which is kind of an oval shape, horizontal, right? And uh, on the... I'll do it in your, your perspective here. On the southeastern shore of that sea is where Israel is. And kind of parallel to that shore is the, the Jordan River. And the Jordan River connects the, the Dead Sea, which is the big, you know, really low, below sea level sea, to the Sea of Galilee, which is also known as the Lake of Gennesaret. And a lot of the events of the Bible take place in this area, so it's kind of nice to know where, where they're at. But Jesus is standing beside this lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. See, they were fishing through the night, probably, and, or at least very early morning, and they're done, and they're cleaning up. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, Simon, you may not know this, is Peter. Jesus later renames Simon as Peter. So, when you hear about the apostle Peter and anything that happens in the New Testament involving Peter, this is the same person. It's just before the name change. Now, Peter, um, the, the Greek form is uh, Petros, which just means rock or like rocky. So Jesus kind of gives Peter a new name and says, you're, you're rocky, you're rock, and actually on this rock is where, where I'm going to build my church. And so that's, that's um, you know, and you can read that in John or Matthew, that's told, both of those Gospels contain that story. You may also see, by the way, the name Cephas, C E P H. As, which is the Aramaic form. Aramaic is just another Semitic language, and it's, it's the language that was spoken at the time of Jesus primarily in, in Israel. So if you see Simon or Simon Peter or Peter or Cephas anywhere in the Gospels, it's talking about the same person. Just, it's a question of whether it's before his name change or after or kind of in between. <laughs> so. And he asked Peter to put out a little way from the shore, so to put his boat out a little bit into the shore. And Simon is apparently very willing to do this, which, you know, is a small thing. But I, I, really, I actually really love these little bits that we see in the Gospels um, where Jesus relies on the people around him to help him accomplish what he's doing. Um, in this case, the crowd is pressing in, and he's got nowhere to go, and maybe he's a little claustrophobic, or maybe he's worried that he's going to end up standing in the water. And so he says, has anybody got a boat? And he gets in the boat and pulls it out a little bit, and then he can stand up and preach to the people on the shore without being crowded. And maybe he can project a little more, and people can hear his words a little bit more. But all of this is possible because Peter says, yeah, sure, guy I don't really know all that well yet. You can take my boat and put it out a little bit. It just, it's a tiny little thing, but I love that. Jesus needs help in his ministry, and an ordinary fisherman provides it for him, and so more people are able to hear uh, Jesus' teaching. And, and Peter, you know, we think of him as this great apostle, you know, who wrote books of the Bible, and who was martyred, and who, you know, started churches and all this stuff, but at this point, he's just an ordinary fisherman. Something to think about if you're just an ordinary you know, code monkey or uh, whatever your job is. <laughs> Let's go on. Then he sat down and taught the craft from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught Nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. Can you put yourself in Simon's shoes here a little bit? I don't know how many of you have done manual labor like fishing. Um, or I, I was a house painter for a few summers. Um, you know, if you've done carpentry, especially outdoors in bad weather, or any of those, if you've been a fisherman, you know, like a professional level fisherman, uh, we have those back where I came from. You know, these, these lobstermen guys with the big beards that are like with frozen seawater in them, you know, and the yellow, yellow rain slicker, you have to have that. But if you've ever done a day or a night of manual labor and then finished and gotten home and cleaned up, how badly do you want to go back to work 20 minutes later? Not at all badly. <laughs> When I used to paint houses, I would come home and I'd have paint everywhere on me. And I, you'd have to clean up your brushes and I, you'd I'd just get, it's in my fingernails and it's under my fingers and, and i finally get cleaned up and showered and sit down. If my paint boss had then called me and said, by the way, there's one more dormer we have to finish up tonight. Can you come back and paint? That would have been like the worst news I'd received all month. It's just horrible when you've finished that day of work to be asked to do some more. Especially if it's a lousy day of work and you've had no success at it, which is Peter's situation. He has washed his nets, he is done. He's going to live to fish another day. He just wants to eat something and go to sleep, is my guess. And yet, Jesus, the guy who just a minute ago has barred his boat, says, You know what? Let's go back out. Let's try one more time to catch some fish. Now, catching fish, you're either going to do it or you're not. It's kind of, you know, you throw the nets over so many times and they come up empty. The Sea of Galilee is not very big, okay? If the fish are not biting or swimming into the nets, they're not going to come, right? And yet, what is Peter's, Simon's response? Let's call him Simon because he's not Peter just yet. He says, If you say so, I will let down the net. I don't know why he had enough faith to do this. Maybe it had to do with the the miracle he had seen Jesus work with his mother-in-law. Oh, thanks, Mike. We'll, We'll let it go for a few more minutes. If we have problems, I'll change the batteries. Sorry, I know that's distracting. Maybe, maybe Simon remembers back and he says, you know what? He did that thing with my mother-in-law where she had the fever and then she didn't. And I remember at the time thinking that's probably just a coincidence, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe, maybe that, you know, I've been listening to him teach. It seems to be connecting with these people. Maybe I'll try this. And so what he says is, if you say so, Did you know that if you say so is a biblically proven response to God? (laughs) Have you ever wanted to say, if you say so, to God? (laughs) Well, you can. Simon did. Of course, he was crucified upside down at the end of his life, so maybe you don't want to follow in his footsteps. But Simon did, if you say so. You know what? Sometimes... Sometimes that's what you've got, and you have to take your skepticism and and just step out of it, even if you have no good reason to do it, and see what happens. Do you have that kind of faith, the if-you-say-so faith? When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. They've had so much blessing from Jesus that their nets are about to break and their boats are about to sink. It's like he buried them in blessings. You want fish? <laughs> Have you ever had so many blessings it felt like you're going to burst at the seams? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you haven't. I don't think everybody's guaranteed that kind of experience. But that was what Peter and his partners had to experience. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am what? I'm a sinful man what was it about a net full of fish that made jesus think he made made simon realize he was a sinful man and by the way does that does that sound familiar to you at all go away from me lord for i am a sinful man have you heard anything like that anywhere else today isaiah isaiah 6 right samantha read that isaiah has this vision of heaven And he sees the seraphs and the Lord seated on the throne and his robe filling the whole room. And he says, what? Woe is me. I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King. The Lord of hosts. So that's two examples today of that kind of response to God. When you come into God's presence and you really see something amazing, whether it's a vision of heaven itself or whether it's a miraculous catch of fish, that is the response. Uh Uh-oh. I am not worthy. You know, it's like the Wayne's World thing. Uh, That movie is what? (laughs) Almost 20 years old now. I am so cool. I'm like the hippest pastor in Rochester. Wayne's World, man, it's so funny. Do you guys even know what Wayne's World is? Okay, thank you. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, I'm going through this period of time where I'm realizing that I'm not young anymore. Like, I'm not—I know I'm not old. Some of you are way older than me, way older than me. And you're you're like, stop complaining about being old. But I'm just realizing that, like, the most important album of my high school career is— about to celebrate its 20th anniversary. They're going to, like, they're probably going to release a special package and everything for uh, Pearl Jam's 10. <laughs> I was a freshman in high school when that came out, and it's, I don't know, I don't, it has nothing to do with Simon and the fish. Do <laughs> <laughs> you ever have those moments where you just realize that life is, you know, going way faster than you think it should? <laughs> Those of you who are older than me, I know you're thinking you've got a lot more of those ahead of you. That is the response to a holy God when you come into his presence and you suddenly realize something about yourself, which is that you are not quite worthy to be in his presence. It suddenly becomes acutely obvious that you have shortcomings and that this isn't quite right. (laughs) In fact, that reality is what drove us to choose awe as one of our five values. If you've been around here, you've heard us talk about our five values as a church, awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice. Well, the first one is awe, and our statement about that is that we humbly recognize the sovereign power, reverent mystery, and gracious wonder of God who is worthy of our worship And full devotion. And that is what Simon encountered when those fish were about to break his nets open and sink his boats and his partner's boats. Wow. I'm not worthy. In fact, he says, go away from me. This is more than I can handle. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, oh, now Simon, don't say that about yourself. You're not a sinful man. Buck up, camper. Everything's going to be okay. That's not what Jesus says. (laughs) Because that wouldn't have been true. Simon had identified the problem correctly. He was a sinful man. He just had the wrong solution. His solution was to tell Jesus to go away. And Jesus' solution was, in fact, no, we're going to get a whole lot closer, you and me, over the next few years. In fact, Jesus speaks one of his Jesus catchphrases to Simon. He says, do not be afraid. That's the Jesus catchphrase. Do not be afraid. Why not? Well, this seems like a non sequitur to me. I've got to be honest. I'm not sure why what he says next would be cause for Simon not to be afraid. (laughs) But he says, I'm going to make you... Yeah, I'm. I'm, uh, My brain is slipping back into the old Sunday school song. I will make you fishers of men. Have you ever heard that song? I will make you fishers of men. There's hand motions. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. (laughs) If you follow me. (laughs) If you follow me. I'll make you. It It does, doesn't it? It all comes together. It's great. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. And I have a feeling that it's not going to be the, ooh, I caught a little bass type. It's going to be the nets breaking, boats about to sink. I am scared out of my mind at what's going on right now, and I am not worthy kind of catching people. I wonder what Peter thought about that, (laughs) Peter who was not yet Peter. That's got to be a pretty scary proposition, so I'm not sure what the do not be afraid meant. And then the last sentence of this passage is really amazing to me. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. What? (laughs) The whole point of the story was the fish. (laughs) Right? That was the whole point. I had washed my nets. (laughs) I was ready to go to bed. I said I would go back out on the field, on the ocean with you. We caught the fish. It was amazing. Now I'm going to go to shore and leave the fish behind leave the nets behind, leave the boats behind, leave everything behind and follow you. And James and John are going to come with me, my partners. That just seems bizarre to me. The very miracle that caused him to want to follow Jesus was the thing that he left behind. The thing that had seemed so important In fact, the only thing that had seemed important at all was suddenly not even important enough to take care of or clean or anything. They just got up and left it behind. I don't know how many of you have had an experience with Jesus where you decided to follow him. And of those who have, I don't know how many of you can relate to this either. But it seems to me that that might actually be how it works sometimes. Something seems so important and central to your life. And you finally say, whatever, if you say so, and come to Jesus. And suddenly that thing doesn't actually matter anymore at all. You're just going to leave it on the shore and get moving. Well, that's Simon Peter's come-to-Jesus story. And for anybody who's ever kind of gone back and forth, hot and cold, I'm with him, I'm not, with Jesus, I think Peter's story is really reassuring. Because here's a guy who was with him and he wasn't. And if you read on through the Gospels... And even the book of Acts a little bit. You see the rest of Simon Peter's story. This is a guy who was passionate one way and then passionate the other way. And he was all over the map. Uh, And so for those of you who, who can't seem to walk a straight line behind Jesus, you're in good company. He's the helper with the boat. He's the skeptic who doesn't think that there's any point in going back out. He's the guy who says, if you say so. He's the guy who says, whoa, I'm not worthy. And he's the dedicated follower who leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. And I have a feeling that most of us can see ourselves in one part of that story or the other, if not in all parts of that story. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we all want to follow you. And sometimes we feel like we just have got nothing to give and we're not worthy. And so we thank you for this story of Simon Peter who said that he wasn't worthy, uh, and it was true and yet you invited him to follow you anyway. And in fact, invited him to participate in your work. And so we pray for the courage to answer that call ourselves. First, to have the good sense to realize that no, in fact, we're not worthy. But then the courage to to get past our fear and to join you in your work. Thank you for the privilege of being involved with catching people. <laughs> and we pray that you'd give us grace and wisdom as we do it. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, as we prepare to come to communion, I would like to just remind us of, in addition to Peter's story, a lot of the other stories that we heard in the Psalms today, because there's lots of, uh, in the Psalms and the Old Testament and the New Testament reading, there's lots of different um, responses to God that we've observed in these texts. And if you didn't see yourself in Peter's story, there's a good chance you'll see yourself in one of these other things. Whether it's Isaiah saying, I'm a man of unclean lips, or whether it's the psalmist who, you know, this is straight ahead psalmy stuff that we read today. You know, I, I will give you praise and thanks with my whole heart. Or that First Corinthians passage that Ben read, some really interesting responses to the story of Jesus there, and we don't have time to get into that, but Paul talks about how he came and, and proclaimed the gospel and how... Essentially, he says, if you don't believe me, you can go ask some of the 500 people, many of whom are still alive, who Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Now, this book was written, you know, 20 years later. So, there's lots of witnesses still around. If you're, uh, if you're criticizing historicity and all that stuff in the New Testament, you've got you've to answer this question. Why was this story not immediately squashed? Because it's hokum. And there were witnesses apparently that Paul was saying, go talk to. But that's a totally other sermon for another day. But maybe you had an experience with Jesus yourself. But maybe you have to rely on somebody else's story at first. And that's what Paul was getting at in 1 Corinthians 15. You have Peter saying, go away from me, I'm not worthy. You have not only... Peter, but James and John, leaving everything to follow Him. So wherever you are at with that, if you want to be part of this table, we invite you to come, and uh, in celebrating communion together, we reenact and retell the story of Christ's death and resurrection, the bread symbolizing His broken body and the wine symbolizing His shed blood. This is sort of, a, not sort of, this is very much a sacred ritual that we Christians participate in. Uh, and yet it's also a table of welcome. And I want you all to know that no matter where you're at on that journey, if you are following Jesus, however successfully, uh, that this table is for you. And so we have some more songs to sing together, and uh, you can come to this table at any time for the rest of our service. Uh, We have a a big room, so you don't need to feel the need to line up. You can just kind of wait if you want and get it when when it's available. Um, But come to the table. Celebrate his death and resurrection uh, as soon as you're ready. And let's continue to worship in song.